I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, May 14th, 2022, and this is episode 170 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is that I am drafting. I'm doing the first draft, the fast draft of my Black Towns book, my second book on my Orbit contract. And I started writing words on Tuesday. I wrote Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I got 10,546 words in those days. Uh, I did not write Friday. I'm planning to write today, and we'll see how tomorrow goes. So I think that a goal of between 10 and 12,000 words a week will be doable um, and not feel like I'm pushing too hard, at least if it continues to go the way this week went. I was going for a minimum of 3,000 words a day, and I got above that basically every day. So how it worked is I write in scenes, not really just word count, but the word count lets me know if I need to push and do another scene. So like one day I had written two scenes and I had like 2,200 words. So I was like, oh, well, I need 3,000 today, so I'm going to actually draft the next scene. And sometimes that is easier said than done. Some Sometimes it took a long time to warm up. You know, this, it's the first draft of this book. I've worked on this book for a long time, for the past six months, but you know, getting words on the page is a different story than researching or plotting. And sometimes I would carefully plan out each scene before I wrote it. And sometimes I would just use the bullet point in my outline and start writing. And it just depends um, on mood and, I don't know, other things that are hard to quantify. But I'm very pleased with my progress. I'm pleased with the 10,000 words. And I mean, obviously, if I would have written on Friday, it would have been more. But I also have to balance it with giving myself grace and honoring my energy levels and health and all of that. So these words were, I want to say easily accomplished, but they were not, it wasn't difficult to get them. And so it seems like a very manageable pace that I can continue and keep up, which is the most important thing. I really would love to get the first fast draft done by the end of the month. But if my um, if I'm only doing ten to 12,000 words a week, that's not really realistic. So I don't want to up the goal, the weekly goal. So we'll keep it as is and we'll see if I exceed my numbers. Um, then I'll be on track for that potentially. I'm going to a writer's retreat at the end of this month. And my thinking was, depending on my momentum at that point, um, take that whole week and focus on Savage City. Because obviously, well, not obviously, but probably obviously, I've not been doing two writing sessions a day. I've been focusing on this one and and getting this one done. And so I'm thinking, um, get a big chunk of this, take a whole week, focus on that one, I don't know if I can get the whole thing done in a week, but get as far as I can. So maybe do like three weeks, one week. That could be interesting. Nothing else has worked. So I'm just going to keep throwing things out there and seeing what happens. Uh, But yeah, super happy. I also realized that the structure that I was trying to use, or the I, I generally structure my books using Save the Cat as a start. Well, that's not necessarily true. I kind of go back and forth between a couple of different structure systems. Often Save the Cat comes first, but then I'll get stuck at 
a beat that I don't know exactly what it is and move on to something else, a different type of, of structure or plotting system. And so I was running this outline through Save the Cat and I got stuck at debate, which is like the third plot point of 11. And I'm still not exactly sure what the rest of them are. But I was like, maybe this book is not a Save the Cat book. Every book doesn't cleanly fit into every structure. Sometimes the structures do feel restrictive. Um, I mean, I think that structure is extremely helpful for me personally and to get my mind in the right place and to make, my, make sure my story isn't, you know, veering off wildly. But there are definitely times when it doesn't fit and forcing it to fit is not the right, the right choice. So I needed fewer plot points. Uh, at one point I was like, should I go to like a John Truby, which is at 22 points? And I was like, no, if I can't get 11, I'm not going to get 22. So let me go back down to seven. And so I went back to the Dan Wells, the seven plot point system, which is often where I also start. I think I do usually kind of start there and then go back and forth between that and save the cat. And that is very close to the K.M. Wyland method. Um, and I mentioned going back to those structure books last week. So if I only have seven points and those feel doable, they feel like they, they're the guideposts that will lead me from point A to B to C. So that I feel like the story is well-structured, it's solid, it's still going to be a little uh, lopsided in terms of, you know, a hero's journey type of situation because of what I talked about last week. Um, but I do feel like the seven points, I was able to look at those, get those straight in my mind and feel like, okay, I'm on the right track and I'm going to just write it the way it is. And my editor will tell me if it's vastly lopsided or... You know, once I get some space from it, you know, beta readers, people like that. But I'm going to really trust my editor to tell me if this book feels off kilter when she reads it. I think I've got it to a good place. And so, yeah, I'm just going to look forward to keep writing. But determining which system you use is one of those things that it feels just very intuitive. Like, okay, this one's not working. Let me go pick another craft book on my shelf and see what they have to say. Um see what they have to say about the various plot points, what they're calling them, the sections of the story, the acts. You know, my friend was like, okay, what act are you in? Have you got an act two yet? And I'm like, I'm not 100% sure where act two is going to start in this book. There are a couple of options. And I think each subplot generally will have its own act structure. Uh, and usually you have like the, the overarching plot has the act structure and then subplots. And sometimes often subplots don't hit every beat because there's not enough time or they're going to be, they'll hit the beat off screen, off page. And so I was like, well, I know this character's arc has these plot points. I don't know how that relates to the larger story arc. And sometimes that's just a revision thing. Sometimes that's, it could be a red flag and I think the work I've been doing the past couple of weeks has been trying to reassure myself that it's not a red flag. I, I don't have something wildly off. Um, but if it's not a red flag, it could just be that plotting system is not quite the right thing for the story that you're trying to tell. And maybe the story just needs more room to breathe. It's not going to fit as cleanly. Now, also, the the downside of that is that commercial genre fiction kind of relies on structure and expectations. And so there is a danger that even if the story is not going off the rails, that because 
you're doing something so different, it's going to feel off to the reader. And it's not going to meet the reader expectations of commercial genre fiction. And that's another thing that I can't figure out yet. Either I'm too close to it, or I don't have enough information because I'm just in the first draft stage. And it's something that's going to happen in revision. So I kind of get as close as I can and do the best that I can at the beginning. And then I write and know I'm going to revise it. And knowing that I'm going to get outside feedback on it to help me revise it, I will let the rest of it, you know, kind of be figured out in later stages. I can't do everything up front. So all that being said, I still feel very good about it. I'm, I'm having good energy with it. Um, finding the voice, figuring out the characters, discovering things. I was listening to, I think it was Joanna Penn, her podcast, The Creative Pen. And there was someone on talking about pantsing. And even though I am a committed plotter, I love plotting, I also resonate a lot when I hear pantsers talk about what they do. You know, so um, a lot of times people who write by the seat of their pants, they feel like if they know everything that's going to happen, the story, there's no, there's nothing to discover in the story. They're bored by the time they have to write it. So they need to have that discovery. And to some degree, that's true with me too, except my discovery is the the in-between points of the plot. You know, like I have this seven-page outline and that's a lot of detail, but I still have so much room to discover and change things and, and find out these wonderful gifts and surprises throughout the story. And that's very much how a discovery writer works. It's just, it's just that for me, without the seven-page outline, that all of that discovery is stressful. Like I want a certain amount of discovery. It's like when you're hiking, and you have the the trail color and every few yards or you know or feet or whatever there is the marking on a tree that's like oh you're still on the right track you're on the red trail you didn't get off on the white one but in between that you know you don't have to follow the path you can move around but to a certain degree <laughs> but you're always going to have those posts that let you know that you haven't gotten lost whereas my husband We'll go hiking, he'll go with the dog. And three hours later, he comes home. He's like, oh, we got lost again. This happens all the time. Always getting lost in the woods, always getting lost in the parks on these trails because he just wanders away, takes a deer, deer trail and has no idea where he is. And um, three miles later, finds a way back somehow. But that doesn't bother him. Like he's having an adventure that would drive me nuts. And on the occasion when I've been with him and have gotten lost, the one time that's happened while I was there, I mean, yes, it was an adventure. We talk about it. We tell stories about it. But I don't want to do that all the time. You know, I like being on the path. So even though I'm on the path, um, I still find wonderful surprises and things that I did not expect. And I'm willing to change the path to accommodate those if need be. I also cast my um, my main characters. I don't always find actors or models or just images of people to do a cast. I have the last couple of books though, but yeah, this time I did. And so I downloaded the pictures of these actors and I put them into my, you know, character sheet and that's kind of helpful too. So one time, you know, I got up in the morning to write at at eight o'clock like normal, but I wasn't ready to get the words down. I was procrastinating a little bit. And so I was like, I think I'll try to find the right actor for my character. And yeah, just kind of looking through lists of black actors. A lot of times I will use models 
Also, I'll just kind of type in, you know, black models or whatever, <laughs> black male models. But yeah, I found some actors. I might do a Pinterest or like an aesthetic for this at some point in time. I'm kind of going back and forth between um, the actresses for my Jane. I found two different actresses and they, either one could work, I think. Um, and it's it's kind of like, okay, what does work mean? Is it just how they look? It's sort of like things I've seen them in and the way that they've acted and or a particular character that I saw them play that has a similar energy to this character. And sometimes it's just the way they look and sometimes it's having seen them do something specific that I can really imagine them in this role. So that's kind of cool. So stay tuned for to Instagram to that. I might do that. I mean, this book is so far away. I feel like years and years away from being published. So no point in posting an aesthetic right now, but it's a behind the scenes thing. Maybe my newsletter. I don't know. Maybe I'll put it somewhere. Also, I have been trying the software Storyist to write this book in. Now I am a Scrivener stan. Scrivener is the writing software that I use. and I've been using it for many, many years, but I do have some some issues with Scrivener. Like it's fine. It works. It works very well. It's got lots of features, an overwhelming number of features to the point where some people can't use it. They're afraid of Scrivener. And I totally understand why. Uh, my issues aren't in that vein. Like I've spent enough years learning how to use it. I've got, got the time on task, a lot of investment in, in learning how to use Scrivener. It's something that I have to figure out how to articulate better, but it's the way that it handles text. Every document seems to have a different default text setup. I spend a lot of time doing my formatting and styles of the font and the color and different styles, and I'm never happy with how it works. It's I have to actually like sit down and write this this out for it to make sense to people because I know that it doesn't. But it's a huge pet peeve of mine, and I, I'm a big I'm big into fonts and typography and styles, so. It's just a constant frustration. And I've tried other things. And I had Storyist on my computer before and I upgraded it. And so I got a new free trial. I think it's a two-week free trial. And so I did the tutorial again. And it's very similar to Scrivener, except it's very much stripped down. So imagine, you know, the basics of, of Scrivener, the things that I like about it, that you can ha write each scene in individual kind of documents that you can then reorder. You can see them all on the left side. Um, you can easily access them. They've got the character sheets and the setting sheets. They've got a few other things that Scrivener doesn't have. And I've been compiling a list as I've been using it for this project of the pros and cons and the differences. So I'll go through these really quickly. And I might at some point do like a video once I've feel like I've mastered Storyist, but in Storyist, there's no labels for the different POVs and people use labels in Scrivener. It's very customizable. Storyist is less customizable, which makes it simpler. Um, in Storyist, you can't see each scene completely independently. Like it's always going to be, you're looking at the whole document. You can navigate to the scene and you can actually move them around independently. But I like to see like, I'm just at this scene and I get to the end. That's it. I don't see the next one. There's no revision colors, there's no colors in the binder, there's no scene snapshots. So I usually do a backup of each scene every day that I work on it. You can't customize all the icons, um, you can't customize the templates, and there's no tables or columns. But in the pro in the pro column, there's better scene card templating, and that's going to get really in the weeds, but um, better font and formatting handling, more attractive documents, and snippets for frequently used text. I have to look and see if Scrivener has this. I'm not aware of it having it, but there's plenty of features of Scrivener that I don't use. But you can have like a little shortcut for 
it comes with like he said, she said, with with quotes I commonly used text. And since this book and the next book probably, I'm gonna be using accents like um, accent aigu, accent grave for certain words having a shortcut for that word so I don't always have to type the code for the accent. Like accents, one of them is really easy, but one of them, you hold down the E for one second and you'll get a little pop-up and you can choose which accent you want. Um, anyway, having a shortcut for this, this specific word that I use over and over that has the accent is going to be very nice. And so none of the the um, the things that it doesn't have are big enough issues for me that it completely limits you know, my ability to successfully and happily use it. I mean, so far, it's doing what I need to do. And it's actually nice that it's, you know, simpler than Scrivener. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm happy with my trial. I'm still in the free trial, but I will pay for it. I think it's $59. And the scene card templating, I really like. But I'm not going to go too deep into it here because it's very niche. So let me know if you want more interest, more information on that. And finally, in other completely nerding out news, I have started watching all of these videos on YouTube on the program Notion and ClickUp, which I use both of them. So ClickUp is what I use for my project management. And Notion is, I use it more for, more for note taking. There is some crossover in functionality and there are things that are very different. And you know, people have built entire businesses on Notion and Notion templates. I have a Notion template for authors, the, for publication database, for keeping track of all of your your publications, your versions of your books and ISBNs and all the info. I'll link to that if you uh, are interested in that. Because yeah, and that's free. I just make it the, the template for free. I did a video on it. I've been using Notion for a long time. I've been using ClickUp for a long time. I mentioned a few weeks or months ago about using Asana which is another project management tool to split them up. And now I'm back to putting them back together because I figured out a way to do it that makes more sense to me. And, but I fell down a rabbit hole of second brain, which if you Google second brain, there's like a course, like some guy on YouTube who I think I watched some of his videos seems to have come up with this and sells a course on it. And it's a big thing. And people talk about it and the different software you can use. You don't have to use Notion for it, but Notion seems uniquely set up um, or uniquely able to handle this. And the whole idea is you don't have to remember everything, like collect all of the things that you come across that might be of interest into one kind of database. So I take a lot of notes on things. I'll read an article, I'll, I'll you know copy a quote out of it or summarize some ideas and I keep them in different places. I have a program called BB Edit, which is just text files. And the cool thing about it is you don't have to save the file. So if you close BB Edit and you reopen it, this is a setting you can turn on, all of your untitled, unsaved files show up again. So if I just need a quick note, it's always open. I just go make a new one and type in the note. And then later on, I'll deal with where do I save it? How do I categorize this? What kind of information is this? Because sometimes when you're just trying to make a quick note, you don't know those things. But I also use Google, Google Keep and I have notes in Notion and I have notes in a variety of other places, you know, notebooks and tablets and my Remarkable and it's a mess. So the idea that I took away from this second brain research is I can have that all organized in one place and 
not have to necessarily categorize it immediately. I can still make my note quickly and then later on go back, go on and categorize it, but they're all in this one database. And so over the past couple of days, I've been setting that up. Um, and everything from, you know, I saw a cool meme on, um, on Twitter, it was had been posted to Facebook and I found it on Twitter. And it was all of these like old black people sayings. And since I'm writing a book that takes place in the twenties, you know, in the South with black people, incorporating some of these sayings, like my grandmother used to say that. So obviously it's something that she heard in her youth and I could incorporate some of that into my book. I wanted to save that. You know, I watched a video about marketing and I made some notes on it in a text file. I want to be able to find them again. A lot of times I make those notes and I have no idea where I put them or there's not an easy way to kind of organize them. I'd started like a junior version of this with um, the 1820s story that I was working on because it required a lot of research. When I wrote The Monsters We Defy, I don't know how I was doing the research. I was doing it in Scrivener, actually. I do I do remember now. I made like a Scrivener story Bible and I would categorize things like, you know, entertainment, um, soldiers, war, like DC history. I had all of this research that I would just put into different files in Scrivener, but it had to be in Scrivener to get them. And if I was doing research somewhere else, if I was out and about and I came across an interesting piece of information, while you can put Scrivener on your phone, it's just not the easiest thing to just open it up and like type in your notes. So that's how I did saved all my research. And that was kind of level zero. And so then with, um, with this book's research, with the Black Towns book, another historical, lots and lots of research on different things, I started using Notion and I just created a simple database of notes. So it would just be like the note, it had a title, it had a link to where if it was an article online that I got it, most of these are articles online, but some of them are books. And then just, I would write the notes and I would give it tags, I would categorize it. So like in this book, some of that has to do with, you know, towns and levees, dams, um, mythology, like all of the different kinds of things that I was, that it relates to. So I could find, hopefully, find a note that I had made. But I discovered that there was a lot of crossover between the research I was doing for the Black Town story and the research that I was doing for the 1800s project. There's a lot of crossover in concepts because when you're dealing with Black history in America, it's kind of all together. So even though these are different stories, different books, there's a lot of cross research. So, and not just that, like everything, like I'm always making notes on things and and trying to find some place to save it. So this sort of second brain in Notion, I just got really excited and I'm really happy with it so far. And even like yesterday, we bought a new couch and I was like, oh, I need a household items database to put in the information and then like the warranty and the protection plan, the stuff. And we had gotten a refrigerator a few months ago. So all that stuff is just, it kind of relies on me searching through my email or a physical file of the receipts and all that stuff. I can put it in one place in Notion, in one database, and it can be there. So like, I'm super excited about this. This is my catnip organization and linking things and just information capture. Because one of my personality traits is being high input, I'm always taking in lots of information. And I don't necessarily know what I'm going to need it for, or if I'm ever going to need it. I'm just interested in these things. Like I just read an article, just a random article about Black Lives Matter, and had some information that I wanted to keep and be able to find again. So it goes into the second brain database. So that's something I am excited about. I can imagine not everyone else could be excited about that. But 
if you have one place to capture not my research notes for my writing and just life and philosophy stuff and, you know, exercise routines that I might find, like whatever it is that I've input into my brain, I can store it here and be good to go and not have to worry about my horrible memory. And like, what file did I put that in? Was it on my phone? Was it here? Was it here? Did I write it down? So I'm going to be trying to wrangle over over time, wrangle all of my various notes and things that are in different places into this in the coming lifetime, probably. <laughs> so that is it for me. Um, coming week, I want to get between ten and 12,000 words in the Black Towns manuscript. And that's basically it. I've got some marketing stuff I want to do, continue watching this um, this course that I that I bought and getting ready to implement that. So other stuff is happening too, but I'm just going to focus on getting the writing done and uh, tweaking my scheduling, which is happening in ClickUp, which I did not talk about because I'm not going to like brain up everything onto you today, but also exciting things there and trying to end it and just, you know, sometimes when it starts to click and you're like, oh, I can do it this way and, and it will work. It feels great. So I will talk to you next week and I hope that you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com and I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.